I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 146 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that is coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. Okay, dads, I have a very powerful guest joining me today, and I mean that literally. Stan Efforting is a record-setting professional power lifter and bodybuilder. He is also a very successful entrepreneur who went into the shark tank and scored a deal with his product, The Cooler. He is, of course, a first-class father as well, so please stick around for the interview. Some of you guys have been emailing me and direct messaging me about a post that I put on social media the other day about my father. Yesterday, it was 15 years since I buried my dad. I really appreciate all your kind words and your comments. My father died four months after my mom passed away, and neither one of them ever had the opportunity to meet my wife or my kids. I talk about some of the challenges and difficulties of parenting without parents back on episode 48 of the podcast. So if you're interested in that or some of you guys are in the same situation, please go back and take a listen. We are about a week away from Ash Wednesday, so for you Catholics out there, it's a lot of fun to have your kids pick something that they have to give up for 40 days. The common response I get right out of the gate from my kids is homework, but that's never going to happen. It's definitely a good way to try to get them to give up video games or screen time in general for 40 days. I'll give you a little update on what my kids choose to give up, uh, you know, when the time comes. Please hit me with a DM or hit me with an email. Let me know if you have any kind of unusual sacrifices being made by your kids out there. My downloads have been very heavy this month, and I can't say thank you enough for all your support out there. And hello to all you new listeners who are tuning in for the first time. We are here celebrating fatherhood, family life, family values, sharing perspectives on how becoming dads impacted our lives. The Super Bowl Media Day interviews that I did with Tom Brady, Julian Edelman, and Bill Belichick, and the rest are really crushing it right now. That was such a fun experience for me. You guys have given me such great feedback about that. If you missed it, Get back to a special edition episode, uh, Super Bowl 53 Media Day. You got to check it out. It was a ton of fun. So get over there and take a listen. Uh, let's go, dads. Lock it in here to First Class Fatherhood. Fatherhood rocks. Family values rule. And every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to get things started right now with First Class Father and professional power lifter, Stan Efforting. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, and joining me now is a First Class Father. He is a record-setting professional power lifter. He won the title of Mr. Olympia back in 2010 as the world's strongest professional bodybuilder. You can see him getting after it on Instagram, pushing some serious weight around in every direction. He is also a successful entrepreneur who was featured on an episode of The Shark Tank where he scored a deal with his product, The Cooler. It is a big privilege for me to say Stan Efforting. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thanks, Alec. Appreciate it. Okay, here we go. How many kids do you have and how old are they? Well, I've got three. One's my stepson. He's uh, just turning 20 today, as a matter of fact. It's his birthday. Uh, his mother and I have been together for 18 years, so I helped raise him since he was two. And then we have a six-year-old daughter and a four-year-old son turning five. Wow, very cool. Uh, do you have the little ones involved in any sports or activities yet? 
Oh, of course. Yeah, we got to keep them active. Otherwise, we pay the price. So they're in gymnastics primarily now. And then, you know, I'm a fan of these 10-minute walks, so I try and get them out with his bike. And uh, we're in Vegas, so it's sunny a lot. So try and get them out to the park as much as possible. But gymnastics is our current uh, sport. I think when he turns six, I'll probably throw him into some jujitsu, which is real popular here in, uh, in Vegas. Okay, awesome. Stan, do me a favor here, please. Take a minute to hit my listeners just with a little bit about your background and what you do. Well, I'm 51 now. I spent the bulk of my adult career in life uh, as an entrepreneur and competing in bodybuilding and powerlifting. And so I kind of had a dual pursuit with my passion and uh, my uh, desire to be successful. And so I managed to build well, what is now a fifth multi-million dollar company since I was uh, since I started my own businesses when I was 32. And uh, in sports, I became an IFBB pro bodybuilder and set world records in powerlifting. So it's uh, still a passion of mine to do both. I'm still an entrepreneur and I'm still um, still lifting pretty aggressively, but uh, with a, a renewed focus on long-term health. Very impressive, Stan. When did fatherhood come into this picture for you and how did becoming a dad change your perspective on life? Well, you know, I, ever since meeting Malia with her son being two years old, uh, you know, you always take a, an additional responsibility, even though it's your stepson, uh, to make sure that, that he's got you know, all the things that he needs. And uh, But it wasn't until just six years ago when my daughter was born that I had my own uh, daughter and then two years later my own son. And, uh, you know, I must admit that that, that kind of changed my perspective. I kind of cured me of my OCD and I tend to be a bit of a hypochondriac. And both of those go out the window real quick when you have babies. And uh, you know, for the first time in my life, I, I started to kind of uh, be less selfish, I guess you should say. Um, I stopped. Uh, I was more risk-averse. I didn't, uh, wasn't going double or nothing on all my business adventures. And um, I wasn't competing anymore because uh, I wanted to have more time to spend with the kids. And I certainly didn't want to compromise their livelihood by risking everything on a, on a new business venture. So... That certainly changed for me, and I realized I was no longer the most important person in the world. You go from being pretty selfish to being pretty selfless. Stop thinking about how much the things that you want and thinking about what your kids need. Kind of reminded me of the time my pops used to clip coupons when I was a kid so he could buy $8 tennis shoes at G.I. Joe's sidewalk sale and would turn right around and buy me $60 or $70 uh, Dan Gable autographed wrestling shoes, and at the time I didn't I didn't understand that I didn't see that, and of course now I do and I understand it. So it's it's been uh, a great uh, a great change for me. Yeah, very well said. You are the founder of the Vertical Diet. Now nutrition is something that is a struggle for many parents and kids as well. What is the Vertical Diet, and how can it help people stay healthy, especially our kids? Well, I use the Vertical Diet. It's a, a nutrition program that's based on you know, gut health and uh, long-term health. And I uh, use that to help people who are suffering from obesity, but also for athletes for performance. It's uh, something that's been quite successful, quite popular, uh, something I've used with my athletes for the better part of a decade, but I just released it last year as a, a product and put it on the market available for everyone to use based on the success stories that I've realized. And, you know, I live that life. I've lived it all my life. I've spent 30 years competing in bodybuilding and powerlifting, and so I've uh, used nutrition for performance, uh, both to gain and lose weight uh, throughout my career, and I've used it with uh, athletes that I've trained. I was a high school soccer coach, trained football players at the University of Oregon, and went on to work with uh, 
NFL ball players and a host of other professional sports. So it's just something that's been a passion of mine, helping people change their lives and improve their health. And, uh, you know, I kind of live it here in my house. I'm, I'm not, uh, um, <laughs> I guess you wouldn't say I'm not zealous about it. Uh, my kids are kind of on the 80-20 rule. I use desserts as incentives. Uh, and lack of desserts is disincentives, but for the most part, I don't have any of the crappy foods in my house, the uh, cookies, cake, and uh, candies, and juices, and the like. I, you know, we have lots of plenty of fruit and vegetables and whole foods here for them to eat, and uh, so I just uh, try and get them to eat what I eat and get them to go on 10-minute walks with me, and I have my gym in my garage, and I uh, have them come out while I'm exercising and play, and so they just kind of see from my example that that's a healthy lifestyle. Very cool. And right now, a lot of teenagers out there, especially ones that are involved in competitive high school sports, they're always trying to gain an advantage in the weight room by using supplements or human growth hormones or some kind of performance enhancers. What kind of advice could you give to the parents out there whose kids are are working out hard, they're gym rats, as far as what substances are dangerous uh, for kids to be using and which ones are safe and effective? Well, I just think whole foods about it. I'm not even a fan of protein powders and, and pre-workouts and things like that. I don't promote them. I don't sell them. I didn't use them uh, through the uh, most successful parts of my career. Certainly when I was in college and in the early 90s competing, I thought that supplements were a big deal. And I just learned over time that uh, you know, healthy lifestyle habits, such as improving your sleep and getting adequate whole food nutrition, using, uh, you know, really good quality, highly bioavailable, micronutrient-dense foods. Uh, I think we've come far enough now that I can actually say that red meat and eggs and whole milk, uh, things like that, actually build young bodies and young athletes. I used to say that 10 or 20 or even 30 years ago, and parents would look at me like I had horns on my head because we had this uh, misinformation regarding cholesterol and saturated fat and red meat. And, uh, now, of course, the uh, the science is... Uh, much more supportive of the fact that kids need these things to grow. Uh, girls in particular, the iron and the B12 and the zinc that's in red meats and uh, uh, young uh, boys and girls, the cholesterol and how that is important for all the hormone production in the body. So, you know, I work hard to make sure that uh, I give out good advice regarding lifestyle uh, habits and how important that is for, for progress uh, for young athletes and young kids. Uh, I don't think the supplements have an additional benefit. I think they're inferior to whole foods by a long shot. When you use those in place of whole foods, I don't think you get uh, as good a result. They're not micronutrient dense. They lack all of the nutrition that kids need. And then, uh, you know, as far as performance enhancing drugs, I don't think there's any place for it in, in teenagers. Uh, they already have adequate hormone levels um, far and above what, uh, you know, adults have. So that's just not, uh, plus it'll shut down their systems. If young kids use, uh, young boys use testosterone in high school, they'll end up shutting down their own testosterone. Uh, it never really totally recovers for most kids. Uh, and it's, it's just kind of individualistic. It depends on how much and how long they use it. But it, there's a risk that uh, you can then suppress your potential long-term uh, performance. So I avoid all of that stuff with young kids. I don't think they need it. I am cautious with overtraining, especially young girls. They get to doing distance work, running um, cross-country, et cetera, uh, overtraining, and they end up with amenorrhea, cessation of the menstrual period. Uh, So those are adverse effects simply from overtraining. Young boys, too, uh, I see them uh, in wrestling trying to cut weight 
think it's a bad time to cut weight in high school. I think that that's, uh, definitely can uh, potentially stunt their growth, uh, at least in the short term, acutely. Um, I just don't think it's a good idea for them to be overly restrictive uh, and that they should get adequate nutrition. So I'm real cautious with uh, making sure they get a, a complete, uh, well-rounded diet. So uh, those are my recommendations for kids. Good stuff. That's some really great advice, Stan. Uh, what about getting started with all this real heavy lifting? What would you say or consider as a good or safe age for kids to start really pushing weight around, really getting into uh, power lifting or bodybuilding? Uh, you know, there's a scale that kind of measures uh, a child's maturity, um, uh, and usually it's dependent on their development and uh, their hormones as far as the getting the maximum benefit out of, of heavier training. Uh, and usually it's it's dependent upon their testosterone levels. That's going to uh, dictate how well they recover. And, but you can start them lifting at any age and exercising and utilizing weights. It's very safe. Uh, doesn't cause any adverse effects. You know, an eight-year-old can go out and uh, certainly lift some weights. But you, uh, they're probably not going to get as significant a benefit out of the the, um, the hormesis effect um, than uh, someone who does have testosterone in their system. A young man, uh, women as well. They got to be really careful with their their knees. Uh, women have a higher susceptibility to medial collateral ligament tears because of uh, all their activity, volleyball and soccer, etc., a collapsing of the knee, the valgus knee, because they have a wider hips and a greater cue angle, and uh, they end up putting more stress. And so they have to be careful to uh, focus on strengthening that area, whether it be lunges or step-ups or some squats with a correct form, knees over the toes, uh, or in line with the toes, I should say, not over necessarily. So there's, you know, there's a lot of things to consider, but generally it's safe. And I like to start with body weight exercises, chin-ups, dips. Uh, those kinds of things, I think, are great. Uh, hence, you know, gymnastics, obviously, an awesome opportunity for kids to get both upper body and lower body uh, work and balance and coordination, flexibility. So all those things are uh, are great for kids. So I, I would say that, that once uh, a kid reaches uh, puberty, that you can definitely start to uh, be more serious about progressively loading uh, their bodies so they'll adapt uh, for more strength and it uh, certainly will benefit all sports if they can uh, be more durable and stronger awesome all right I... okay it's time to get a quick word from our sponsors and then back with more from stan efforting i'm alec lace and you're listening to first class fatherhood seat geek Taking your kids to the ball game is one of the greatest experiences in all of fatherhood. And now, First Class Fatherhood has partnered with SeatGeek, and you could save $20 off your next ticket purchase by using the promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS. Maybe you want to go to a Broadway show, a concert. SeatGeek has the best prices for a wide variety of events. It's a slam dunk deal, dads. Get over to www.seatgeek.com and use the promo code First class to get $20 off your next ticket purchase. SeatGeek.com. Saw your spot on the Shark Tank where you swam with the sharks. You made it back to shore with a mega deal with your uh, product, the cooler. When did the entrepreneurial bug kind of hit you? Were you like selling lemonade as a kid or, or did this come later on as a father for you? When did you start to become an entrepreneur? You know, I think it did start at an early age. Uh, you know, newspaper out when I was 10, helped my mom at the deli when I was uh, 12. I uh, got a job at 7-Eleven, was, uh, was stocking shelves and 
uh, ringing up folks at the cash register when I was just 12 or 13 years old. Worked at a pizza place, helped my parents run their bakery and come home from school and, you know, wash pans and the like. Uh, so I've always had a, a good work ethic and ended up working for, directly for, some successful entrepreneurs. So I had a, an opportunity to get exposed to, you know, at the very front end of uh, property developments, of telecommunications, um, being in a, in a role that, that allowed me to see the decision-making going on and to participate in that. And eventually with that kind of uh, intellectual property, I started my own businesses in similar fields. I used the expertise that I had. I started a telecommunications company as my first uh, big startup. And then after that, I started uh, investing in real estate, buying, building, and selling multifamily, single-family, commercial real estate. I had a successful run there. So uh, I think it's been all my life. And I, I kind of, my boss told me a long time ago, my mentor, that, that uh, um, you know, with respect to income, it's when you're willing to take the risks is when, you're, uh, when you've earned the potential rewards. And so I've always uh, just thought of it that way. And I've gone many years throughout my career with no income uh, and built up uh, multi-million dollar companies as high as 20, 30 million dollars a year in revenue. And uh, it's not all upside. It's, you know, it sounds pretty glorious at times, but at other times, you know, it's feast or famine. I'm eating a McDonald's dollar meals and living with three roommates trying to start up a business uh, and all people see is the Rolls Royce and the multi-million dollar home. Uh, they, they don't appreciate necessarily the uh, the hard work and the sacrifice to get there. Yeah, I hear that. With social media today, I mean, it's a very distorted picture of what reality really is. People are only showing the glamorous shots of themselves, and uh, it gets a little distorted. What about discipline, Stan? What type of disciplinarian are you as a father? Well, unfortunately, at my age, I'm uh, I tend to be uh, very... I guess you'd say reserved. I've seen it all, lived it all. I've, I've been had some great experiences in my life. But, you know, as far as raising my kids, I just want to make sure they're capable and responsible uh, adults. And so I use kind of a hybrid approach, I guess you'd say. I, obviously, there's going to be some corporal punishment in there uh, for things that rise to that occasion. Um, you know, anytime that my children do something that might compromise their safety or the safety of others, then uh, they're getting a spank for that. You know, I want it to be immediate and effective. Um, but if it's, uh, you know, if it's something less serious, then of course we could talk about it or we can create some alternate punishment like push-ups. Uh, if my kid doesn't pick up his toys, he gets push-ups, not a spank. It's just not that serious of a deal. And, you know, I'm, I'm anticipating in the future because I have a, a young son and he's a lot like me that, uh, if, uh, it ever comes that he disrespects uh, an elder or a teacher or the authorities that, uh, I'll definitely, uh, spank for that. There's no question. But mostly, um, I provide incentives and disincentives, as a lot of people do, just a reward system for their behaviors, whether it's an ice cream or a toy. And when I try and get in front of it, I'll talk to them about it. And we had the Kumon to do math if he doesn't like doing it. And uh, so we talk in the parking lot about, uh, you know, what the proper behaviors are and how he should do his homework and then what treat he'll get or what punishment he'll get as a result. And we usually get good results when... Uh, you know, when we get on the front end of it and talk about it before, beforehand and kind of lay out the incentives and disincentives for compliance. So that's, that's kind of how discipline works for me. Very good. What about screen time, Stan? I know they're a little young yet, but YouTube is very popular with kids. Is screen time an issue in your house, or how do you handle all the technology? You know, I try and intervene and make sure that what they're watching has some sort of educational value, and that's not just 
um, you know, ABC Mouse, that, that, that uh, there's other shows that uh, I think provide good social lessons as well. And so, uh, they, you know, they learn to read and they learn their mass and they learn the planets and they learn their colors and they learn their shapes and they learned an extraordinary vocabulary long before they were in school. Uh, I coupled that with, um, uh, I mentioned just a bit ago, Kumon, uh, which is a, a learning, uh, uh, it's a studying um, a tutorial program for math and reading. And I make sure that they read daily and that they, we do math daily. It's 20, 30 minutes a day, seven days a week. We do it, create the good habits to do homework. And I take them to Kumon and that challenges them to, to do math and, and reading. So those things are important. I, I just, some years ago, I read a book called The Education of Eva Moskowitz, and she's a former New York City councilman, and she started a, uh, the Success Academy charter schools back there in New York. And they were very, very successful, and I, was, I wanted to find out what she did. And what she did was she helped kids and parents accountable uh, and made sure that they were involved, and she focused on repetitious reading uh, and, and math in Every day they would read. Uh, it's what's going on in many of the countries that are far ahead of us in their education. They seem to uh, learn more younger and more consistently in school. They do more uh, drilling. Uh, I think that that rote memorization is important. I don't know where we lost it. We did that as when I was a kid. Lots and lots of drilling, lots of reading. Uh, and somewhere along the line, I know with my stepson, uh, he struggled in math, and I so I intervened because I was always good at math. My dad's an engineer, and I found out that the, the, the fundamentals weren't there. I'd be trying to teach him algebra, and he'd be struggling with six times nine. And I, uh, I've worked with other kids in math who pull out calculators for simple problems like that. And I realized that that impaired their ability to learn uh, more complex tasks because they didn't have the fundamentals. And so I actually put him in Kumon when he was in middle school. And within just a matter of six or eight months, he was at the head of his class, taking algebra, getting A's. Uh, from being, you know, behind and plunking. So, uh, to me, the fundamentals are really important. Very cool. Yeah, I think education is changing a lot because of the technology. I struggle with this myself because many times my kids will say to me, hey, why do I need to learn this? And I tell them it's important. But then when I'm stuck on something, they see me asking Siri for the information. So, uh, I do struggle with it quite a bit. Yeah, problem solving is important, though, so that's good. I, I yeah. think this is net positive. I really do think it's a net positive. And in so much as they don't start um, hibernating. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, I travel all over the country, all over the world, and I do expos and I meet people. And, and uh, you know, long, a lot of times we'll get long lines and folks will come up. And uh, I noticed that a lot of the younger kids these days, 16 to even early 20s, they tend to not be able to look you in the eye, give you a firm handshake. They almost uh, respond uncomfortably to that kind of interaction, uh, almost in like, like an Asperger syndrome sort of. Uh, social discomfort. And I think that that's something that is lost. If people get too engaged in social media, they forget to engage people. Uh, and so I'm, I work with my son, even at his age, to make sure that he shakes hands, asks clearly what he needs, looks people in the eye, says please and thank you. Uh, and I've just noticed that that helps a lot. I was kind of reminds me of watching that Clint Eastwood movie Gran Torino when he was uh, helping that young Asian boy next door get a job. He took him into the barbershop to teach him how to speak, <laughs> how men communicate. And I, I think that's important. I think that children have uh, kind of uh, gotten softened um, and not learned to engage. Certainly sports can help with that. And certainly contact sports, I believe, can help with that. 
But uh, I think masculinity is important. I think that the, you have to develop confidence uh, in both young men and young women uh, so they can protect themselves and others and strive for success. I just, uh, you know, I like the, the American sniper uh, kind of prospect, the, the how he taught his kids uh, not to bully and not to be bullied. He said that uh, there's three types of people. He said there's sheep and there's wolves and there's sheepdogs. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. And I, I fully believe that. And I think I'm, I want to raise sheepdogs. And I think that that takes uh, uh, quite a bit of, uh, of communication and discipline and confidence. And so I'll use sports for that a lot, but also uh, intervene and, and with my personal example, try and make sure that my kids engage other people responsibly, effectively, and confidently. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Stan. And I hustle Uber and Lyft on the weekends. And while it's encouraging to see this generation of college kids using the technology to not drink and drive, once they get in the car, the social skills, the communication skills, I mean, it is a travesty what has happened to their ability to have a conversation with one another. That's for sure. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, Mr. Olympia, world's strongest bodybuilder. I mean, you've had so much success, successful businesses. You've accomplished so much. What kind of goals do you have for yourself? What's coming up next for Stan Efforting? You know, I'm, we're building another uh, group of successful companies, uh, the, the uh, Vertical Diet uh, Nutrition Program, the Vertical Meal Service. We started a meal prep company. Uh, obviously, the cooler is still uh, going hot and strong. We just come out with a new product. My goal is to get my kids involved in that business at an early age. When I travel to expos, to get them to come along, have their own little part of the table where they sell their own goods and services, start to um, uh, do their own social media, uh, promoting with, you know, marketing their products, uh, and just get them exposed. Customer service. You know, I was 12 years old, ringing the cash register at 7-Eleven, talking to hundreds of people a day. And it, it just teaches you about, uh, you know, interaction, social interaction, and uh, just that, that service and negotiating and all of that. And so, and learning about money and, and the, the risks and rewards involved with that and how to save it and use it and spend it. And so that's really kind of my goal is to see if I can um, give my children a, a, a master's degree in, in business, entrepreneurship, <laughs> uh, straight from their dad. There you go. That's awesome. Last thing I'm going to hit you with here, Stan, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice could you give to that new dad or to that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Yeah, I, I think the big thing is just to lead by example. I try and include my son and daughter in just about everything that I do when I can. Uh, I mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, I don't, I eat, they eat what I eat. They, they participate in the exercises that I do. They go places that, that I go. Uh, and I ask them to be, uh, you know, when I go to, if I take them to McDonald's for a treat, then I give them the money and they have to go up to the counter and order it. I just try and get them exposure to uh, these kinds of experiences so that they have practice at it and I, I can help, uh, you know, teach them but more than anything i know that that kids copy their parents and so i'm i'm careful to set a good example just in uh, my lifestyle choices and, and get them to come along with me and see me uh working and interacting and and playing etc uh, when they come to the gym and watch me train uh, they, they could start to see how to uh you know be competitive be a man or be a woman uh, as my wife leads by example as well with her uh, discipline and consistency Great stuff. I love the message. This has been a lot of fun for me, and I have to say, Stan Efforting, thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on First Class Fatherhood. Thanks, Alec. Good talking to you. All right, back to wrap things up in a second here.
back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Stan Efforting for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM over on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. And then lock it in for tomorrow. I'm going to have the chief creative officer of Vanier Media, Steve Babcock, joining me here. Thursday, I got Trevor Chapman. And then Friday, we're going to close the week out with SEAL Team 6 operator Eddie Penny. So keep it locked in here, guys. Thank you for joining me today. That's all I got for you. I'm Alec Lace. You've been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers.